Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. This is Bloomberg Business of Sports. The world's changing. And what are things we can do to, to transform our business and engage our fans globally in different ways? People are using their name and likeness to create more opportunities, more stakes in companies. In order to turn the organization around, we had to turn it around not only just on the baseball operations side, but on the business operations side. Football and any other sport is very difficult, but I like to broaden my horizons and be able to expand sports. You need to be consumed live, and that's a big competitive advantage for intellectual property holders of sports content in the media landscape. Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio. Hi, everyone. I'm Jason Kelly. And I'm Mike Lynch. And I'm Michael Barr. Over the next hour, we will explore the big money issues in the world of sports and talk to some of the biggest players in the industry. Before we get to that in our conversation with Notre Dame Athletics Director Jack Swarbrick, guys, let's talk a little college football and pro football starting on the college gridiron. In a season of chaos, the Crimson Tide of the conference. Constant excellence. Bama bludgeons the Buckeyes. And Saban steps past Paul Bryant with his seventh national championship. And so that is how the long, maybe short, strange season that was last year in college football ended. Now, this weekend, it starts all over again. The game I'm looking at, guys, is definitely Mm. Clemson, Georgia, as Mm -hmm. you can imagine. Uh, That really kicks it off with a bang. It does feel like we are in, Lynchy, a season (laughs) that will be like none other and almost having very little to do with post-COVID or current COVID and more with NIL and a whole lot of existential questions around college sports realignment and much more. Well, you think about it, the conversation we had a year ago, will they play, won't they play? The Pac-10 said no, then they said yes, and the same thing with the Big Ten. And now we're not even concerned about people sitting in the seats, name, image, and likeness. Is it going to be a divisive factor in locker rooms where a quarterback's making 800000 and an offensive lineman is making absolutely nothing? Will there be a little resentment or jealousy there? Will there be some Olay blocks for that quarterback who's making so much money? And now we've got all these Oklahoma and Texas coming to the Southeast Conference. Will they get booed every time? They probably will. Every time they take the field in a, a Big 12 game when they're on the road? Right. Absolutely, positively. But I'm excited about it, too. You got your Georgia Bulldogs. My sister played tennis at Clemson. We're on, baby. Yeah, it's gonna, that's going to be a great game and yeah. uh, is going to determine a lot of what happens uh, in both of those big conferences down south. Obviously, the Big Ten will be playing as well. Michael Barr, you, you've been a big proponent on this show of make your money while you can. Mm-hmm. Now you got college athletes who are going to do just that. 
what do you worry about? I, I, I've said this before, and, and I hope it never comes to light in a story. I worry about college athletes. Now when you dangle all that money out there, that you're going to get some unsavory character out there who's going to try to get to somebody and say, hey, you know, okay, you can win the game, but you don't have to cover this spread. So, you know, just, just you know, do something a little errant out there. I worry about that, and but I'm going to remain naive uh, because, you know, I believe in sports and I believe in, in definitely in college sports. And something else is going to happen this weekend. We got some dear friends who are coming over to the house to spend the weekend with us, and I'm going to bug the daylights out of them because you know I'm going to be betting the moment they start <laughs> kicking off, and, and, and the questions are going to be asked. Hey, Frank, listen, how much you want to put on this game? All right, Frank, okay, don't don't tell the wives how much we put on this. It's like, no, baby, I don't want any carrot sticks. We're going to keep going on like this for the whole weekend, and I apologize to my dear friends right now, but listen, betting in college sports for at home and people online, this is going to be a big weekend. Does the cable TV work? Does the internet work? Bar's happy. <laughs> yeah. It's all going to be good. Just keep the chips coming and don't talk to him, especially <laughs> if he's on whatever the opposite of a heater is uh, when it comes to uh, if, he's, if he hits that cold streak. All right, so, Lynchy, one thing you have been watching very closely, and I want you to break it down for us, is – Something that's happening in the NFL, and that is unfortunately related to very little having to do with the actual game and more of having to do with a massive natural disaster that has hit a big part of the country, by the way, including New York City, which suffered some flash flooding like we've literally never seen here before. But down in Louisiana, 16 years almost to the day after Hurricane Katrina, Hurricane Ida, uh, just laid waste to New Orleans. That obviously has an effect on their pro football team. Help us understand what's going on. Well, we remember that the 15 years ago, they had to play their home games in San Antonio and some games in Baton Rouge. We're talking about the New Orleans Saints, who have been training in Dallas right now. So they are playing uh, their big game against the Green Bay Packers, and it's going to be the national game for Fox at 425 in the afternoon. So they need to find a place to play. Well, they can't play in AT&T Stadium in Dallas because there's a concert. So they started looking geographically to some place that might be closer, and they decided that Florida would be the place to go. All three stadiums are available. Tampa Bay Stadium's available, Jacksonville Stadium, and the Dolphin Stadium. Well, they're thinking now about trying to have a home field advantage, and they don't want Packer fans who travel as well as any group of National Football League fans. They don't want it to turn into a home field advantage for the Packers. So they looked at Miami and they said, nah, people from Wisconsin are coming down and they'll treat it as a big weekend in the sun. So we're not going to play there. Then they said, let's play at Tampa Bay. But Tampa Bay is an NFC South rival and the Tampa Bay fans may just come to the game to cheer for the Packers and it would feel like a road game for the New Orleans Saints. So they had one of their staffers actually go on Expedia and find the most difficult and the most costly stadium <laughs> to travel to <laughs> to give the, the Saints a home field advantage. I'm not lying about this. And it turns out to be the stadium, TAA Bank Stadium in Jacksonville. And that's how they wound up playing in Jacksonville against the Packers on Sunday afternoon at 425. And the game is going to remain on Fox. The Saints are not selling any tickets to this game. They have told fans, do not call us. 
call the Jacksonville ticket office uh. or go online at Ticketmaster. So they're sort of wiping their hands of this whole thing. And another big loser of this might be Caesars Entertainment, which a month ago bought the naming rights to the Superdome. It used to be the Mercedes-Benz right. Superdome. It's now the Caesars Superdome. It's a $138 million deal over 20 years, and what great exposure they would get on a national game. They lose all that exposure and one game of exposure that they've paid for. So that's the story on how the game became to play in Jacksonville. Well, all I'll say is that is like <laughs> Moneyball 5.0. I mean, that is just incredible, and I hope whatever... And I'm guessing it was like a young, enterprising kid inside that organization came up with that. Brilliant. Give that kid a bonus. That's amazing. That's amazing. And totally, when you hear when you hear it broken down, it makes sense. Um, but you know, now you sort of think if uh, and these are your Midwestern people bar that if they hear this story or they read about it, they'll be like, "That's it. We're getting in the car. We're going to Jacksonville, kids. Get in the car. Load up the minivan. We're going." We're going right now. Well, you remember several years ago in Minneapolis when their dome, they had so much snow on the dome, the whole thing caved in. So they had to play a home game. So then they came to Detroit because we all know it's very sunny in the wintertime in Detroit. (laughs) And and it worked. Uh, But I was thinking at that time, which I'm thinking about this too, is, well, hey, you know, if I'm a Minnesota fan, it's not that far really to drive to Detroit. I mean, you got a little bit of a hike, but I can get there. So I'm wondering if the Saints folks, the fans, and and God bless, I hope everything is okay with them from Ida, and if some of the Saint fans want to get there, can they make that drive? Yeah, it's a long drive. It's a straight. I mean, the good news is, I, I know that area of the country pretty well, it is a very straight shot, literally I-10. All You get on I-10, Turn left to point east <laughs> and then stop before you stop when you get to the Atlantic Ocean is where Jacksonville is. Yeah. Um, not a short drive. And obviously the folks down in New Orleans have have other things to worry about, except that they do worry a lot about their saints. And uh, I mean, Lynchy, I am glad to hear you, you talk about how they, they looked at the numbers because it, it where I thought you were headed was basically there was a discussion uh, inside the organization. They were like, what's the place people least want to go? <laughs> well, you can blame it on Expedia because this staffer found that there were more connections to get to Jacksonville from points in Wisconsin than it worked for any other stadium in the entire country, specifically for the three Florida stadiums. Parking, by the way, is only $30 down there if you can actually make it. But think of the money that New Orleans is losing in terms of merchandising, yeah. concessions, ticket sales, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. And it's a good point about Caesars as well, because that is uh, yeah. not cheap to get your naming rights on on the yeah. Superdome, ar- arguably one of the most famous stadiums in all the world and certainly in the United States. Uh, But the net effect is football, it's back. College, Mm -hmm. pro, all of it. And uh, we're going to get into that in a big way, not just football, but the business of college sports. All right. It's a special sound, a special song, and very appropriate for this edition of Bloomberg Business of Sports. Thanks so much for joining us. We're here each and every week for you at the same time, talking to the biggest names in sports. I'm Jason Kelly, alongside Mike Lynch and Michael Barr. Today, thrilled to be joined by Notre Dame Athletics Director Jack Swarbrick. Jack, really nice to have you with us. 
Hey, it's great to be with you. Thanks for thanks for inviting me to join you. Well, we're happy to have you. And of course, uh, as most of our listeners know in the New York area, you can hear Notre Dame football uh, all season long on Bloomberg 1130 in New York. Uh, so let's talk about football to start. We want to talk about lots of different sports, but let's start with football. The season is upon us. A very different year here in 2021 than 2020. I don't want to dwell too much on the past, but your decision to play last year was catalytic. I, I think it's fair to say in in many ways. Tell us about that decision and how it sort of evolves into where we are today. Yeah, uh, thank you. I do think it was catalytic. I, I, I think fate delivered us uh, in terms of timing with the Pac-12 and the Big Ten having decided at that point not to play, where I think our decision was critical as to whether the rest of football went forward. And and the the, the primary dynamic for us was we had made a decision, a really courageous one by the university president, to come back to campus, to be residential, uh, to not educate our students virtually. And that sort of gave me my marching orders. Okay, can we safely play football? If we're coming back to the classroom and the residence hall, we should be able to come back to the football stadium. And we we did a lot of research, talked to a lot of people, convinced ourselves we could, both from the perspective of the student athletes, but also allowing students, faculty, and staff, those were our only fans, to come into the stadium to watch the game. They were together all week, they should be able to come into the stadium. So it, it was a great atmosphere for us and, and, and was a rallying point for the campus. Which brings me to the next question. What will football look like in 2021 uh, with fan protocols because of what happened with COVID last year? What are we going to see this year? That is a great question. I, I, in some ways, this year's I think, going to prove a little harder because it's more fluid. Last year we went into the season sort of knowing some places no fans, some places didn't play. As I said, in our case, we were only going to do students, faculty, and staff. This year you've got a bunch of different models out there. You've got some places which are requiring proof of vaccination or negative test, uh, different mask-wearing standards, different capacity approaches. And I think what's going to define this year is I think that'll get revisited throughout the year. And we'll never quite have the certainty uh, that we had last year. I do think we'll have more fans, we'll have more energy and more excitement, but I think it's going to be very fluid. Last year, you had a one-year experiment in the ACC. Did that help fund the other sports that you were trying to keep afloat uh, during all the COVID? Um from a financial perspective it was yes. it didn't have much it didn't have much consequence Our, for us the, the significance of it was that through that we were had assurance that we could play a full schedule and by virtue of that meet our obligations to NBC and so the the NBC media contract was really our only source of revenue last year because our gate receipts were largely non-existent and so, Jack, expand for us into the other sports. I'm the father of a college lacrosse player, not at Notre Dame, but, uh, you know, you've got a, a great lacrosse team, you know, baseball, women's basketball, you know, across the board. Athletics are so baked in well beyond um, the, the football team. 
Help us understand how you made decisions along the way throughout the course of last year, especially at a time when other schools were saying, we just can't afford to play certain Division One sports. Well, a real threshold standard for us is that we view all 700 of our student-athletes as comparable, and, and we want their experience to be as close to the same as we can make it. So we didn't make a decision like a lot of universities did to play football. We made a decision to play all our sports. Right. And and if if if... if we weren't convinced we could play the others. We wouldn't have played football because that's our obligation. And so that that really drove it. And, and, you know, one of the fascinating things about last year, as we all learned so much, is we didn't see any transmission of the virus through the activity of playing the games. Mm. Um, we, 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 we could trace it to meals. We could trace it to some locker room activity. But literally didn't, you know, and, and you think of sports like football and, and lacrosse and hockey, um, with no evidence that we transmitted the virus by playing the sport. One of the things that Notre Dame has is a very special marriage with NBC. And it, when I think of the two, I, it, it just goes together when I think of college sports and watching it on TV. How did that whole marriage come together and and a special relationship with the network um well it 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 was the result of a supreme court decision where uh an antitrust case that said the ncaa could not uh, represent the rights of all colleges and universities Mm -hmm. um and so it, it freed up those rights um that then caused uh colleges and universities to pursue those rights on a conference basis we had an opportunity as an independent uh, to think about it differently. And uh, some really creative people, our athletic director, Dick Rosenthal, Ken Shanzer, and Dick Ebersol at NBC, um, had a conversation. And it, I know from uh, especially uh, Ken Shanzer relaying that experience, it, it happened very quickly once the conversation started. All right. So, Jack, meanwhile, in college sports, Name, image, and likeness. The whole business model, in some ways, of college sports is now facing, talk about catalytic moments, a really interesting time. How do you unpack this? I mean, you're trained as a lawyer. You practice law for a number of times. You've worked across sports. How do you attack something like this? Yeah, um, and I, I think I could make a case, and a pretty good one, that there's no industry in the country that has undergone or is undergoing more change than college athletics at yeah, the moment. Fair. NIL is part of that. The Supreme Court decision, which related to additional educational benefits, um, realignment, um, it, the list just goes on and on. The NCAA's um, conclusion that it can't govern in its current model. Um, and, and so it's incredibly unsettled. And and you you have to just try and make the best decisions you can, but understand that it's going to continue to evolve. Name, image, and likeness, we embraced. Uh, Five years ago now, our our president, Father Jenkins, gave an interview to the New York Times in which he said, Notre Dame supports the notion of granting name, image, and likeness rights because all our other students have it. Why shouldn't our student-athletes? And so we have always embraced it. Um, The problem we encounter now as we implement it is there are no rules. 
And so the NCA didn't adopt legislation. Um, Congress considered legislation but didn't pass it. And so we're all trying to feel our way through it. And there, there are a lot of uncertainties and a lot of unevenness I would prefer not to see right now. But we're going to do it in a manner that's consistent with our values and the way Notre Dame approaches athletics. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Hey, Jack, does the uh, NIL help or hurt the school's marketing deals? Uh, For instance, would sponsors go directly to the athletes? Are they allowed to do that? What is Notre Dame's uh, stance on that? Yeah, it's... um I think it's probably a little early to draw a conclusion, but I don't think it will. I, I think our sponsors can f- find additional value by working with our student athletes. The, the challenge in uh, relying on college athletes to affiliate with you for purposes of promoting your brand or your product is that their window as college athletes is so small. Right. They probably don't emerge to the sophomore year. They may be gone then after their junior year. So so I think the most sponsors, advertisers, are going to stay grounded with the university. Um, now, social media is different. The value produced there will largely accrue to the benefit of the student-athlete. And so, you know, one of the maybe unintended consequences, maybe in a positive way, Jack, is that NIL and everything that's happening around it may elevate both commercially and even from a visibility perspective, some of those non-football players that that we are alluding to. You've got some Olympians in your midst there. You know, these are are athletes who, you know, their sort of athletic pinnacle, at least on, on a big national or global stage, may come while they're in college. Are you seeing any evidence of that so far? Yes, absolutely. We had a very successful Olympics. Um, our, a lot of our athletes, former athletes, did particularly well. And, and so you see that with them. I would add, however, though, one of, the, one of the great things about this is there are a ton of student athletes, largely female, who have developed enormous social media right. followings unrelated to their sport, basically. They're, they're TikTok celebrities or you know, their Instagram content is really compelling. And they couldn't capture that value. Now, July 1, when this thing got turned on, the highest paid student athletes in the country are ones you haven't heard of. Right. That's a great byproduct of this, that they can capture that value they should have been able to capture all along. How has it changed your department, the way it runs, you know, kind of dealing with, I mean, you laid out all these sort of big existential issues that are facing college athletics. Does it change, you know, who you're hiring, where you're staffing up, maybe, you know, where you're diverting a little bit of your attention? How do you deal with all of these things that are coming at you seemingly all at once, Jack? Yeah, you've got to make some really hard choices because our our resource base isn't increasing right. in the in the midst of this but the the demands are so absolutely we had to staff up for NIL that meant we had to look across the department and find some other places where we 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 wouldn't continue to invest you know the same decisions businesses are making coming out of covid all over the place mm-hmm. and 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 so those were those are the choices that we have had to make uh, they're difficult choices but we we stay grounded in what our student athletes need right now and what they need right now is is our ability to facilitate NIL uh 
They especially need mental health counseling. Uh, you you got to stay responsive to your primary customer, and in our case, that's the student. So, Jack, fair to say this is just, I, I think, factual. One of the most compelling, best-known brands in sports globally, and, and even beyond sports, is Notre Dame. Part of the reason, you have amazing media distribution. You have the NBC deal, and yet we see a very different media landscape and look no further than Peacock, the streaming service. That's where we're going to find your first game, I believe, exclusively. What does that mean, the sort of way that people are going to get to these games for the ongoing evolution of this brand? Yeah, um, well, it's, it, the movement to streaming is inextricable, yeah. and I think, and I think, faster than most people hmm. uh, understand. Um, I, I, I think that what we now think of as the network will be what we now think of as the streaming company. I think NBC will become Peacock. Yeah. I think ESPN will become Disney Plus. And and so as we have consistently done in our media strategies, we want to be out in front of that. And so we took the unusual step of um putting our first home game exclusively on Peacock. Our other games will be simultaneously available on Peacock, but this one is exclusively. And and I I wanted to do that. I embrace that because I I want I want to find out how we perform in that platform because that's the future. You want to start a lively conversation when you go into a bar, bring up the college football playoff system and <laughs> expanding it. So I'm going to ask you this question. Should it be expanded? Would Notre Dame have a, a, a bigger chance of getting into the playoffs? What do you think? Well, I'm one of the four members of the working group who crafted the proposal, so I, I very <laughs> much believe it should be expanded. Um, and it's unrelated to Notre Dame. I mean, we've done fine in the current model. We've been we're one of five schools to be in it more than once. Um, but But here's the principal difference. If I, for our student athletes in all our other sports, they have they have somewhere between a twenty and twenty five percent chance of participating in the postseason. Hmm. Our football players have a three percent chance of participating in the postseason. We got to create a more more comparable opportunity for our football players, um, and and so I think an expansion is absolutely the right thing to do i think we can do it without taxing the student athletes um and the proposal we put forward largely does that so um i'm I'm hopeful i know it's caught up in some politics right now but i'm hopeful it'll still occur college football politics what no that doesn't doesn't make any sense i don't think that's right so 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 if you're a conference champion from my understanding you get a first round buy in this if they're expanded to 12 teams but you, you, your independence seems to be crucial to Notre Dame's identity and brand. Do you see yourself staying independent in the long term? You know, I do. Um, never say never. As long as we have two things, we intend to stay independent. One is a media partner committed to broadcast all of our games nationally and access to the college football playoffs. Those are, those are sort of the two linchpin elements we have to have. But it's part of our DNA. Uh, it, it helped define what Notre Dame is today back when it started. Um, a brilliant coach by the name of Jesse Harper, who had a pretty talented wide receiver by the name of Newt Rockney, uh, <laughs> embraced this model when they couldn't when they when they got boycotted by 
the predecessor to the Big Ten. And and we use it. I mean, we, we embrace it. No school has ever played in Los Angeles, Chicago, and New York in the same year. We've done it nine times. Um, that's that's what we want to do. We we played in Ireland. We'll we'll get back there. Um, we're on the East Coast every year, and and so it's not about football so much as using football to extend the university and promote it. And so when you think about and and you alluded to this earlier when you when you see up close and personal all this realignment happening you see the SEC expanding you see the alliance which I I still think is like ripped from an Avengers script you know this notion of the alliance with a capital A Uh, you know these are schools you know well Um, how how do you how does that if at all influence your view of Notre Dame's place in that? How does it influence the way you think about an expanded college football playoff? How does it make you think about maybe media going forward? Um, Well, yeah, we have to pay close attention to it, and I've got to stay in close contact with my colleagues to know what they're thinking. You know, what what we can't do here is get caught flat-footed if things continue to shift. I think there is an inevitable movement, and I think it's over a long period of time. I'm talking 15, 20 years probably, long after I'm doing this. But there's inevitability to the major brands affiliating in some different way. And somewhere down the road, I think that's probably inevitable. Uh, In the interim, I think the things that are happening make sense um, and, and will probably help produce better product in terms of having more marquee games which is what college football needs if i could just if i can follow up on that just briefly how much does what happened in the supreme court how much does what happened with nil influence you think that inevitability i mean did that accelerate it did the pandemic accelerate it how do all these things sort of fit together? I know that's a big question, but I just sort of wonder as as you think about the the different levers and the different inputs, as it were, you know, what, what you make of it. Yeah, I'm not sure it does accelerate it. Hmm. Um, certainly doesn't slow it down. But football has always existed largely independent of the NCAA. Yeah. And, and most of those dynamics have related to the NCAA and largely undermined its its authority and its governance structure. And so that has to be reinvented now. And and that process is underway, but college football is, is always sort of gone its own way and will continue to do so. Well, Jack, it was really, really good spending some time with you. Best of luck uh, in the season, uh, both the football season and all the other sports uh, coming through. Looking forward to making a visit uh, back to, to South Bend before too long. It is, as I think all of us know, and you certainly know better than anyone, a very special place, very special school, special community. Um, so we're really uh, grateful to you for spending some time with us. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. I love the conversation, and uh, I hope you all have a great year as well. Well, Jack, Bye-bye. don't worry. I cried during Rudy. I just want you to know. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> so, guys, great to spend some time, obviously, with Jack Swarbrick. You know, there's college football and there's Notre Dame in, in many ways. I mean, obviously, it is an athletic juggernaut across lots of different sports. I, I mentioned lacrosse in the, over the course of our conversation. They're a you know, perennial top five team. They're on the men's side. Women's basketball has been incredibly uh, a, a, an incredibly powerful force. Uh, that's a 
big job. And, you know, Lynchy, at least my takeaway was something he said toward the beginning of the conversation, which is this is one of the most turbulent times in the history of college sports. Uh, so many different things happening. Well, I think one of the great things about Notre Dame is last year they just didn't want to have their football and basketball teams continue to play. They wanted all their sports to play. And he was quite frank when he said they're using football to extend uh, the university and to, prom to promote the university worldwide. And football, you know, is uh, the juggernaut that funds all the other uh, non-revenue sports. And, you know, hats off to Notre Dame for getting the student-athletes back on campus and also getting them participating in sports. And again, he spoke about how proud he was of all the athletes they had that competed and uh, excelled in the Olympic Games as well. Yeah, a lot of fun. And, you know, obviously, uh, Barr, it, it's interesting to hear him talk about this was really an extension of the overall decision mm -hmm. that was made by the university to get students back on campus. You know, it, it was refreshing to some extent to hear an AD really truly talk about student athletes. I dare say we may have lost sight of that a, a few times over the last few years. Oh, yeah. And uh, it, it also was refreshing because not just football. I mean, obviously, uh, Notre Dame is uh, known for football and for the basketball team, for that matter, but many other sports as well, like lacrosse. I mean, I can go on like you, like you had mentioned earlier. And, you know, it, it's college sports, it is something special. And, and I was joking a little earlier when I mentioned about Rudy, but it, watch that movie. It's one of the best sports movies ever, and maybe that does capture what college sports is all about. Well, last note that I'll make, and then we'll move on to the number of the week, is that what he said about the media I thought was fascinating. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. it, it anybody who watches college football closely knows that, you know, you go to – one place for the SEC, you go another place for the ACC, another place for the Big Ten, and then you go to NBC for Notre Dame. It is right. it, it is a one of one in many cases. And so they have the power just in the way that they did in terms of making the decision to play football as they did last fall to say, yep, you know what, we're going to be exclusively – on a streamer, on Peacock. You know, we're going to force people, if they want to watch the first home game, to, you know, download an app or, you know, get that going on a computer or, or a TV. So uh, I love the fact that he said, we want to be ahead of this. We know that this is where uh, this is moving. And I got to think he's hearing from a lot of not just alumni, but, but current students that that's how they want to consume this game. All right. Well, great, great conversation. And if you're listening on the radio, uh, check out the extended version on the podcast uh, because we did go uh, pretty far and wide ranging uh, with Jack Swarbrick over at Notre Dame. All right. Number of the week. My goal is to be the number one pick. That's something I've been dreaming of since a kid. It feels better to be number one than number five. I wear the number because of Mike. We have a chance to go for three in a row. Good numbers at a good time. When I first started wearing that number, I was just happy and proud. Bloomberg Business of Sports, the number of the week. All right, guys. Yes, sir. Time for the number of the week. By the way, don't assume that it's always going to be about dollars. Oh, okay. I've got a number here for you. Because we are on the cusp of the NFL season. What I want to know is the heaviest player in the NFL, whoever played, the guy played in the NFL, his name was Aaron Gibson. Uh, he played for the Lions, played for the Cowboys, played for the Bears. Offensive tackle. How much did he weigh? I'm trying to remember how much the refrigerator was. <laughs> he was a big boy. 
When did he play? Uh, I want to say late. I want to say around 2000. Okay. I'm going to go with 390. I can't get I'm to a go. It's got to be. If he was a 400 pounder, we would have heard about him. So I'm going to go 399. He actually weighed 410 pounds. Good lord. When he played with the Lions. <laughs> and when he was in high school, he weighed 440 pounds. That you now you talk about an offensive tackle. <laughs> you, you're not getting by that guy. The number 2 guy by the way, Terrell Brown, he weighed 403 pounds. He okay. played with the Rams. So tackle, a couple forehandles. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. All right, that's a good number. It's a good number. Lynchy, nice nice job. I, 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 I see there was nice strategy, but you got close, and uh, hats off to you. Hats off to you. Yeah. All right, you've been listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports. We're here each and every week for you at the same time, plus online, wherever you get your podcasts. Catch those Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. I'm Jason Kelly. Find me on Twitter at Jason Kelly News. Still scratching my head over 410 pounds. I'm Lynchy. And you can find me at LynchyWCBB. And I'm Michael Barr on Twitter. Come on up, Lynchy. You're on the stage now. At Big Bar Sports, you're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports and Bloomberg Radio around the world. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers, and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights, and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at CutterEconomicForum.com.